Welcome to the Small Business Big Life Podcast. My name is Derek Van Ness, and I'm the lead wealth strategist and founder at Big Life Financial, where we use innovative tax and financial strategies to help business owners keep more of the money they make and be a whole lot smarter at growing it. We believe every person has something unique and valuable to bring to the world, but far too often money stops them from sharing those gifts. We're here to fix that problem by helping people get money out of the way so they can unleash their full potential on the world. Stick around to the end of the show, and I'll even reveal how you can be the next guest on one of the fastest growing daily inspirational podcasts on the planet. So let's get this thing started now. Well, welcome, 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 everybody. It is Derek Van Ness, your host here on the Small Business Big Life Podcast. And I am excited today because we get to talk about one of my very favorite topics, and that is money and success and finances and all that nerdy stuff that we financial people really geek out over. So today I have on my show, Karen Koenig. Did I say that right? You did. Oh, perfect, Karen. Well, welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you here. I'm, I'm glad to be here too. Thanks for asking me to be on. Yes. Uh, and for those of you who can't see it on your podcast, she's got a super cool background with all her contact information and everything. But for the people who are listening at home, Karen, just tell us real quick uh, the nutshell version of who you are, what you do, and where people can find out more about you if they love all the things you're about to tell us. Well, um, like you said, I'm Karen Koenig, and um, I am a financial advisor and I branched out into a entity called Empowering Women Leaders because I feel that I have a message to tell uh, women because women have a hard time jumping into things. They're a little bit different than men and where men like to just get right into things and they don't overthink it. And where you can learn more about me is uh, on my website. It's woman, W-O-M-A-N-A-N, on top.biz. And there's uh, some excerpts in there. I've got a money type quiz if you'd like to learn about what type of money type you are. And there's a link there so you can go purchase my book. So I did write a book. It's called Woman on Top, How to Win in a Woman's Way. So that's me. Very cool. Very cool. There are a lot of differences between women and men. I've literally had this conversation three or four times today. So that's (laughs) funny that it just keeps coming up. But um, I always like to start the show, Karen, with just digging into the gold mine in your head and uh, having you share some nuggets with us. If you could give a piece of advice to the people out there listening, any piece of advice, something that's been a North Star or been really a big deal for you or that you use every day, what would that piece of advice be? Well, it's, it's the title to the chapter two of my book, and it's called Why Getting Ready to Be Ready Doesn't Work. And I say that because, um, again, the difference between men and women, we tend to overthink how to get into things. And I find myself doing this on a daily basis, even just trying to decide what, um, uh, for my Instagram, what software to use so I can (laughs) post out onto my different social media. It's like, oh my God, stop researching, just do it. So the point is, get in and do it. You don't have to have a website first. If you want to do a business or be an entrepreneur, you have a great idea, just start and do it. I love that. I love that. My way of saying that is you can only do so much from the sidelines. Sometimes you have to get on the field and like play the game, right? There, It feels a lot different when you're getting 
punched in the nose or run over or run past by the world. And you can have all the best laid plans from the sideline. And I have a tendency to do that, right? Even as a man, I'm like, I'm an over planner. I'm an overthinker. I think that makes me well suited to the financial world, but I have to put some guardrails on it. And like you said, stop getting ready to get ready. Just get out there and do it and make a mess and figure it out as I go. So I love that advice. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah. So tell, tell me a little bit, like, obviously you're, you're passionate about this. I don't know that many people who grow up thinking, I want to be a financial planner or a women's empowerment advocate, right? I mean, I'm sure it happens even more now, but so, so how did you get into this? How'd you get started? So I'll tell you a little story about my background. I spent 26 years in the military. I joined in the late eighties when women weren't very welcomed in the military and I was in an all male shop. So you can imagine what it was like (laughs) to be there. And then I was an electronic mechanic on top of it. So I was in an industry that really wasn't something that women are in. And then from there, I went and I worked for a huge aerospace company, again, in project management, again, in another industry that's hugely male dominated. Uh And um, then decided right before I was 50, hey, I want to do a career change. And I got into financial advising. And really, the reason why I got into it is because I had an advisor And that particular advisor used to work for me at that aerospace company. And so one, I trusted him because he worked with me. Two, I trusted him because he was my financial advisor at the time. But three, when I asked him about the opportunity of being a financial advisor, he said it's the best thing that he ever decided to do in his life. And he used to be a a blue collar telephone lineman. And I thought, you know what, if you can be successful in this business, I certainly can be successful in this business. (laughs) Well, and that's just such a big part of it, right? Just believing this is something I can do. Right. Right. I know I find that half the things I actually take action on, I see someone who, you know, appears to be more disadvantaged or having some things working against them, going out and doing things, becoming successful. And I get so inspired by like, by that. I'm like, if you can do it. I should be able to do this. Right. I'm going to go do it. And then I just like run and in, jump into it. And before I know what I'm doing it, and of course I'm falling on my face and it's way harder than it looked and everything <laughs> else, but I'm already there. And so, yeah, those kind of people have really impacted me too. So it's, it's funny that you bring that up. Uh, cool. So, so you got into it and, uh, and you, obviously you are really passionate about it. You care about it. You talked to me a little bit about uh, your empowering women leaders and how that kind of dovetails with the financial, uh, you know, financial strategy, financial planning that you do. Tell me a little bit about, about the synergy between those, because I do feel like a lot of business owners kind of do this straight line thing, right? They're like, I'm a financial advisor. That's all I'm going to do. Um, and it's, it becomes hard to stand out sometimes in, in a very crowded world. So tell me a little about how that whole thing has worked for you. Well, so I just wanted to back up a little bit and say that's kind of what made me write the book. So being in three different male-dominated fields, I felt like I had a story to tell. So Uh um, there's lots of things, and it's not a male-bashing book. It's just lots of things that I learned about men or from men Mm -hmm. that I now, you know, took into the, the work that I do. But what I find is in financial advising, for sure, and I needed to learn and do something to set myself apart from the other advisors that are in the business, because, you know, why work with Karen? 
And it's because I feel I need to give back. And women are the ones that normally aren't the ones that do the financials in a family. Normally it's the man Uh um, all the time, but, you know, in marriages and that kind of stuff or, you know, and even single women, they don't know where to start. So I just feel like I have this whole book of knowledge and stuff in my head that I just wish that I can tell everybody, because if I knew back then what I know now, there's lots of things I would have done different in the financial world and and just life itself, just because, you know, again, like I talked about, you know, getting ready to be ready. It's you, you just need to do it. So. Yeah. Very interesting. It it almost sounds to me like you were like a woman who got let behind the man's curtain, right? Because you were around so many men. So you I don't want to say we're raised, but kind of brought up around a lot of men. So you probably got indoctrinated to a lot of things that like, as a man, I don't even know that like women aren't being indoctrinated to, whether that's, you know, locker room talk or talk around the barbecue or whatever stereotypically men are doing that women may not be around um, in the conversations that happen there. So I think that's pretty cool that you kind of got insight into the other side Uh, uh, in your book. I'm interested, like, what kinds of things do you share around the differences between men and women? I'd love one or two just insights and in how you see how we operate differently because, you know, I'm genuinely interested myself. Well, one thing that I learned is um, men can be very good mentors for women. A lot of women think that their mentors have to be women and they don't. And one of the stories that I tell in there is being in the military. I'm one of those jump in and do things before I really research stuff sometimes. Uh And I had a chief master sergeant set me down one day and he said, Kara, you got to stop just jumping into things without knowing the full, you know, degree of what's going on. You need to learn to assess situations a little bit and then make your determination. And I thought, wow, that was pretty cool that he took me aside and told me that. Because, you know, that's not something I, I probably would have just kept jumping into things had he not gave me that. And then I catch myself even today that I'll jump into things or I'll start to say something. And then I'll realize, you know what, I don't know enough information about that. I probably should do a little research. And his, his voice is always in my head, you know, mm-hmm. so that's one nice thing. And then the other thing is, is men tend to, they will jump into things not so much what I was just talking about, but like, if they want a raise, they'll go ask for the raise where a woman will say, well, I don't think I'm ready for that type of money yet. Or I don't think I'm ready to jump into that next job because I don't know enough about that job. And a a man will go apply for a job that he only knows 10% about. (laughs) And a woman feels like they have to know 80 to 100% before they get into it. So that's, that's probably the two biggest things I learned from being in that, in that, you know, that being around men all the time. (laughs) Very insightful. I I appreciate you sharing that because it's always here. It's always good to hear. I mean, I work with a lot of women and, and everything, but I don't understand what it's like to be a woman. So it's always good to hear from the other side, like, Hey, how is the world? How are things different so that I can relate better and, and understand better? So I appreciate that. And anybody who's listening, you know, they can hear a little bit more about, the two, and obviously your book would articulate some more of that. Now, I want to I key in on something you said. If I knew then what I know now, 
give me one, two, three bullet points of like, what do you know now that you wished you knew then, like that you really get now that you've been on, been in the financial advising side of things? Well, one of the things is, is the biggest thing. So I'm divorced and I walked away from that divorce with a huge settlement of money. I mean, huge to me at the time. Mm-hmm. And I did what I think now is a dumb thing. And I, and I actually advise against it is I put all of that money into the down payment on a house. And I did it right in 2007 before oh. the 2008 housing market crash. So I never got the money back out of that house until I moved to Washington state and sold two houses since then to actually ever recoup that money. So, I mean, and that's what nine years it took to recoup the money from 2008 to 2017 sale of my condo. And had I put that money into the market, what I could have made in nine years on at least half of that, is I, I just wish somebody <laughs> would have told me to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what do you regret more, the, the missing out on the, uh, the upswing of the market or the li- liquidity? Because that's something I have a real problem with, with real estate, when people put big chunks into real estate. Like, I know everybody thinks they want to pay their house off. And like, other than the emotional payoff of I don't have a mortgage payment, like, it's, it's a terrible financial decision. I'm just interested for you how it felt. Was it, which was it was more important there? Well, now it's also the liquidity. I've learned a lot about, you know, clients who have all their money locked up in like an annuity or something. You know, I have a client that I'm working on right now. She has all of her money locked up in three annuities. Mm. And some advisors sold her three annuities and one's feeding the other one. And it's like, you have no liquid cash. Right. And now she's to the point that she needs liquid cash and I'm trying to create, you know, a solution for her without messing up maybe one portion of why she had the annuity in the first place. So it, it's, so one, it was the liquidity and two, yeah, I could have made a little more cash on my cash. So it was, that's more of a, you know, secondary thing is, you know, I, I know that I could have made a little more cash on my cash. Yeah. Yeah. That's something we think a lot of people overlook is access to your cash, right? Like when you put it in a place, you can't get to it. The old joke is what's a dollar worth if you can't access it? Right. Well, not very much. It is nice to have it, you know, ready for retirement when you need it. Like these annuities, annuities can be a great tool for certain things, but liquidity is not what they're, <laughs> what they're yeah. there for. And it sounds like whoever was, was doing that was more interested in writing uh, annuities than making sure that the client got through to when they can actually use the annuities. Well, or the fact that he bought a big boat with his bonus. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. I know. I know. I, I hate that. One of our things that we teach culturally, like our number one value is integrity. Always do the right thing, right? Mm-hmm. Whether that's for you or for your clients, but you know, doing the right thing for the client in that case is uh, absolutely imperative. So uh, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're, that you're doing some of that. Um, so what are some of the other things you said you made the mistake of putting that money in there? Like if you're talking to someone who is maybe a new person, what are some of the common mistakes that you see out there that uh, you help people to fix? So back to the house situation, I, I find a lot of people put a lot of their, what they think their retirement is the, is the equity that they have in their house. And mm-hmm. it's like, no, that's not your retirement avenue. 
And um, I, I see a lot of people in their 50s that come into my office and they really haven't saved anything. Uh-huh. So I just talked to a potential client yesterday who's getting ready to sell her house. And she has been with the same company for 20 years and she only has $56,000 saved in her 401k. So that's another mm-hmm. mistake right there. Yeah. But, the, but the other thing that I also see is people don't know that having a huge IRA by the time you're in your 60s is a huge tax liability. So you need to learn the Roth side of the house too, or investing your money in other avenues that are that are going to be less, you know, because an IRA is taxable. So when you take it out, it's taxable. And a lot of people Uh think they're going to be in a lower tax bracket once they're retired. And in some cases, they're not. So it's, a lot of people, I worked with a guy the other day, he, was, he he didn't even know that he had the Roth option inside of his 401k. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Jeez. Jeez. And he's 30. So I was like, oh, you need to start changing what percentage you have going and take advantage of the Roth that's inside of your 401k. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that because I don't know how you feel about this. I believe taxes are going to be higher in the future. Tax mm-hmm. brackets are going to go up. I mean, we did just do this $3 trillion stimulus and we got a, probably another $2 trillion coming soon. I don't know if people realize that's 25% of the national deficit right there that we just added to it. So where do you think those dollars are coming from? And how are we going to fix social security? Right. And what about universal health care? Right? Like there's a lot of things that are that got to get fixed and guess where the government gets their money? Taxes. So exactly. I, I love that you're not just push, pushing the, uh, you know, don't pay taxes now. You're like, actually, let's do the right thing for taxes overall. Because I do see that mistake being commonly made out there where people just try and defer and defer and defer. And then they get to required minimum distributions in retirement. And they realize, holy cow, I have to take out a lot more than I thought. And now I'm going to get beat up on taxes. And it, a lot of unintended consequences there. We talk about it a lot. So I love that you bring that up because it's kind of, it's not talked about enough, right? People, yeah. yeah. Well, so it, go ahead. when I do talk about it, sorry, is it just, they're like, what? That's incredible. How come I didn't know that? And it's like, it, you know, it's just something that we learn, you know, that's why you have a financial advisor is what I tell them. <laughs> well, and, and people say this, they're like, uh, I want to diversify, but everything they have is in their 401k or their IRA. And it's like, hey, just so you know, that's not diversification. It's like, the analogy I use a lot is it's like buying a bunch of different kinds of shoes and saying, I have a diversified wardrobe. No, you just have a lot of different shoes, but they're all (laughs) shoes, right? If you have everything in one class, one asset class in the market, chances are really good that that's diversified within that class, but not diversified. So I love your point of, you know, using the stock market in conjunction with other things to be able to make sure that you're really taking care of yourself because you know, you and I have been around long enough that we went through 2001 and we went through 2008 and we've seen when markets get clobbered, there's some people who do really well and other people get taken to the cleaners. Mm-hmm. I'm not, not such a fan of being taken to the cleaners. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. So, so tell me um, a little bit, Karen, where, where are you going with your business? What's the next, what's the next big thing? What are you excited about with where you're going? 
Well, like I said, I, I focused on businesses. So what I'm really striving to do in the next few years is really make my practice about bringing in the the, the small businesses, but you know, anywhere from ten to hundred people, because I feel that there's enough things that you can do for businesses to help them with taxes and help them, you know, do benefits for their employees. And, you know, I had a client yesterday say, well, when you get on and talk to my, my employees, could you tell them that this is a great thing for them? And I'm like, of course I'm going to tell them that. (laughs) So so I'm really trying to focus on uh, doing, doing less, but more. Mm-hmm. I guess you would say, because focusing on businesses, I can get a lot of people, not only the business, but then I can get the people inside of that business to be my clients as well on the side. Mm-hmm. So you're, it's really a, a, a unique way or easy way to cultivate clients, right? Mm-hmm. And then just, you know, I like to work with um, other than the business owners, like I said, divorced women. So that's the way I give back. Not that divorced women actually have a lot of money. So, Mm -hmm. uh, but just so they can get the same benefit as somebody who does have a lot of money. That's kind of my, my way that I like to do good things. I I love it. I love it. We actually have uh, shirts for the podcast that say do good things. So (laughs) yeah, yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, and I love that. I, I I agree 100%. We focus on business owners too because there is so much you can do for business owners all the way down from taxes and tax strategy to employees to the different kinds of uh, of insurances all the way down to uh, making sure that they're doing the right thing with cash flow. I mean, I don't know exactly everything that you do, but yeah, business owners just have so much more control. So I'm, I'm interested in your perspective on this. So let's say some people out there are listening you know, they're, they're successful, but they're on the employee side. I'm a believer and you can agree or disagree. I don't care. I'm just interested in your take on this. I'm a believer that a lot of people should consider having, having some sort of side hustle related to something they care about, something they're interested in, something they're, they want to create for retirement income. Um, because it does come with a lot of tax benefits and it does come with a, you know, a lot of extra things. What are your thoughts on that? Having been, you know, at, at times it sounds like a W-2 and now being a business owner. And how do you think that interplay happens? Well, I think, you know, people, you've probably heard this before, people have to get out of the J-O-B mindset. So once they get out of that mindset and they really understand that creating a business is kind of a pass-through way to get, you know, get benefits that maybe high net worth people get and, and you know, people down in the lower tiers feel like they never can get that. And they can, because if you start a business, there's so many write-offs that I get as a business owner, other than being a financial advisor. And it's again, another one of those, uh, go ahead and do it. Don't wait to get it, get into something because um, if you're good at something, it's probably something that somebody needs. So if you think it's a great idea, it probably is a great idea and um, stop thinking about doing it and just do it because, you know, you may be the next best, you know, pair of jeans for us people or something, you know, and it's, and that's why I tie the empowering women leaders back because it's way I can give back to people without necessarily them, you know, being my client or giving me money or whatever. It's my way of giving back. So yeah, yeah. I, the way I've heard it said is, 
you know, employees earn money, pay taxes, and then get to spend the rest. Business right. owners earn money, spend, and then pay taxes on what's left. Exactly. Right? And, and obviously those are broad strokes, but it is a huge, huge difference for people, especially if you have a business idea. So I appreciate your encouragement there for people because it, it is a, it is a really big, big difference. And, um, I don't know if, if you've ever thought of it this way, but one of my tried and true things we talk about is taxes are the biggest expense in your life. Even mm-hmm. if you have a bunch of kids, like right. taxes are crazy. So if you can do things you are already going to do with your life and get some tax breaks for them, that's a huge win. And that's more money that you can invest with you or, or do some of the strategies you're talking about. Well, I'm putting it in numbers for the listeners is I'm actually in, you know, like the 32% tax bracket, but with my write-offs, my effective tax rate is 3%. So that's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. I I had a, when I was flipping houses full-time, which was many, many years ago, I had a year where I made about $400,000 and I think I paid six grand in taxes, right? It's just because of all the write-offs, real estate is like super heavy on write-offs and I was spending a ton of money on other things, but yeah, like the, the advantages are astronomical because if I was in that 37% tax bracket, plus I was in California, so probably another 10 or 12%, yeah. you know, I would have paid 200 grand in taxes almost. That's just crazy. So I have that extra hundred, almost $200,000 to be able to do other things with and and it's worth it to me to pay a CPA, you know, I pay her 650 bucks, sometimes more than that to do all the different schedules for me. It's like, she's the expert. It's so I'm not going to try to get online and do my own taxes, which is I used to do. And then I stopped doing that because it's like, wow, what a difference when I went to a CPA. Oh man. I, I have a, a blog post that literally says, you know, your most important investment. And it's, I believe once you're paying more than $5,000 a year in taxes, you need a CPA if you have a business because yeah. they're going to save you so much more. Even if they charge you $2,500 or $5,000, usually the more they charge you, the more they know how to do. But I mean, I've taken clients through with CPAs that we work with and, and they've saved, we've helped people recover hundreds of thousands of dollars, but quite often they can save one, two, three, five hundred thousand $500,000 a year in taxes just from some good tax planning. And yeah, they might pay those crazy, you know, rich people, they might pay. 10 or 15 or $25,000, but would you pay 25 to save 500? It's like, where do you get that ROI, right? (laughs) So yeah, I I love this, Karen, because it sounds to me like, you know, uh, you do a lot of different things for clients. You're able to serve them in a lot of different ways. So I I just really appreciate that. Um, And as we kind of wrap up here, I want to just give you, this is something I do on the show. I want to give you like 30, 60, 90 seconds to just kind of say anything that you want to say, whether it's related to what we're talking about or not. I just think it's great for everybody to have a voice. I know you mentioned earlier that you have a message and you have something to share. So I'd love to give you time to just say whatever you want. Well, I I was just going to say that um, one of the things that I like about being an entrepreneur is it gave me the time because my kids are grown and out of the house. So I had a lot of extra time. And I don't feel working is the only thing I should be doing. So it it enabled me to be able to start volunteering and being on board of directors and doing different things for the community. So I think it was really important for me to be able to start doing community work. Super cool. That is 
in my experience, when I do that, it's incredibly rewarding, right? And mm-hmm. and it, it just creates such a richer, fuller life to really be involved. So I appreciate you putting the word out there and and encouraging people to do that. So for those people who di- didn't hear at the beginning or forgot to write it down, how do people find you or get in touch with you? You can uh, email me at karen at womanontop.biz. I also have a website, womanontop.biz with A-N. So don't put E-N because some people will say, I can't find your website. So um, it, it's Women on Top. It goes along with my book. So the book is Women on Top, How to Win in a Woman's Way. So maybe that'll help people remember how to spell it. So Perfect. Well, for those of you who resonate with what Karen's talking about, definitely reach out to her and you know, Karen, I just appreciate you kind of going all over the map with me here and sharing what you're up to. And thanks for being on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I've had a a great time talking to you. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Small Business Big Life Show. If you're a six or seven figure business owner who'd like to be on the show, we'd love to talk about it. Just visit biglifefinancial.com slash guest to get the ball rolling. And if you heard something you loved on the show today, don't be shy about sharing it. And if you do, be sure to use the hashtag smallbusinessbiglife so we can see that you're sharing the love. And heck, if we swoon over your post, we might even pass it on to our many thousands of followers to help share the love and the spotlight with you. Speaking of love, if you like today's show, be sure to hit that subscribe button. You know why? Because then you'll never miss another episode and you can get all the motivation, inspiration, and insights with every new episode. Also, if you want to see everything else we're up to on YouTube, social media, or even in real life, you can always visit us at biglifefinancial.com. Well, that's it for today. My name's Derek Van Ness, and I want to personally thank you for being a part of the small business big life movement. Now get out there, create more than you consume, love people more than you need to, and believe in magic because yes, it does exist.